so glad you're here today. Are you glad to be here? I am. Amen. Amen. Hey, there is a rattling happening in our world today, in case you hadn't noticed. Yeah, we've all noticed. This rattling is not apart from the hand of God. He's the one that's rattling some things today. He's the one who's shaking some things up this morning. He's the one that's been rattling some stuff in our life so that what is temporary might be done away with and what remains, remains. Amen? He is removing some stuff from our lives, and I'm grateful for that. He is reminding us of what is fixed, what doesn't move, and what doesn't change, and I'm grateful for that. Amen? Amen. We're going to see some more things rattle. I'm confident. Continuing our series today, Rattle. And, uh, you know, during this whole, you know, the whole shutdown time and then all that, all that this, I don't even know what you call this time right now that we're in, but this time, we had taken an approach as a staff where we, were, we pulled back from the long-term planning and said, let's just navigate through this a few weeks at a time and let's see what's going on and then we'll make our plans. It has only been in the last two weeks for me, that I feel like I'm finally getting some direction from God that's further than two weeks. And I'm grateful. So I can't wait. I'll probably wait till next week to do this, to start telling you about some things that are coming up at Vertical. I mean, all the way up to November. Woo, man. I've been getting rattled myself just preparing and thinking and praying through it. So let me tell you a story uh, that goes all the way back to 1979. So, um, 1979, I just moved to Red Oak. I'd been at Sunset High School in Oak Cliff, taking classes there. I moved to Red Oak, transferring classes, and find out my senior year, which is 80, that, 80, 81, I graduated 81, uh, that in that beginning of that school year, the school tells me, Red Oak school tells me, hey, I know you took these classes at your other high school, but they don't all transfer and I'm afraid you're not going to be able to graduate this next year. I'm like, what? And I was stuck. I was in a new town. I didn't know many people. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. But I had just gotten a job at the Red Oak Totaway. The Red Oak Totaway was owned and operated by a man named N.L. Dickinson. I've talked about him before. And N.L. Dickinson was a good man. He helped me learn so much in those years as I worked for him. So I came there after school one day and was telling him my struggle and how I didn't know what to do. And he said, hold on, I'm going to make a phone call. And that was a big guy, big voice. And so I just got a little nervous just hearing him say that. What I didn't know was that N.L. Dickinson was a member of the Red Oak School Board. So there was a phone call that was made, and pretty soon there was another school board member up at the, at, the, at the store, and we were all talking together. I was talking to two school board members all of a sudden. Whew, I was nervous, but these two men were ready to go to bat for me. They saw an injustice, and they wanted to make it right, and pretty soon they did. I came back to work the next day, and they said, Brian, we got it all fixed. Really? He said, yep, just see your uh, administrator or your principal tomorrow at school. I went there, and sure enough, they had accepted the classes. They had adjusted and made a class just for me and one other student that had the exact same predicament. 
It turned out I had a friend in N.L. Dickinson in more ways than one that I knew. N.L., for me, in that moment, and on many other occasions, went to bat for me and became the one who interceded for me. He went on my behalf to the place of authority. He went on my behalf into a place I could not go, and he sat down with the powers that be and pleaded my cause as though he were me. And then he brought change for me. Now, if you're a student of scripture, you recognize this picture already. Because what Jesus has done for us is that he has come to be our advocate and interceder. He has come to make intercession for us so that he goes into the place of authority where the Father is and on our behalf pleads for us. And he brings hope to us because he can go where we can't go. Amen? That is why you and I have life today, because he went where we couldn't go. He gave his life when we couldn't, and he now lives forever, interceding for us. It's good to know we have him in heaven today, pleading and interceding for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's a powerful ministry, that of intercession, going on behalf of someone else to the Father. Jesus models that for us, and then we are called to that same kind of ministry for others. We are called to go on behalf of those who cannot go on their own, to go right up into the throne room, to the throne of grace, and intercede for others. There's a terribly sad verse in the Old Testament in which the people of God are going their own way, doing their own thing. They're facing all the consequences of their disobedience. And this one verse is written in Isaiah 59, verse 16. It says, and there was no intercessor. There was no one who would go on behalf of the people to God. What a tragedy. You think, well, does God have to have intercessors? Can't he just do what he wants? Of course he can do what he wants, when he wants, and in whatever way he wants. But he has chosen by his grace to work through prayer offered by his people. He can do it without me. But he'd love to show himself strong through those who will pray and trust him. Now, that doesn't mean he's limited to only do what we pray for. But he has chosen in his wisdom, in his sovereign power, that this is the way he works. And that is why our prayers are so important. That is why we passionately pray, boldly enter the throne room, and we learn how to intercede for others. We learn how to pray for others as though they were us. We learn how to enter the throne room of God and pour out our hearts 
for them. There's a story in the New Testament in which some people came to Jesus and they said, um, our child is, is in desperate need of healing. And we brought him to your disciples and they couldn't cast out what was in our child. Even though they had been sent and equipped, the disciples couldn't do it. And Jesus in that moment said, oh, this only comes about by prayer and fasting. There is a level of struggle here that is not easily cast out. In fact, it's going to require great patience, endurance, boldness, confidence, and persistence in prayer. There are some issues in the lives of other people and even on a national scale that don't just happen by simple, easy prayers. They come about only when God's people are desperate, passionate, and persistent, and willing to fast, and willing to seek the heart of God and intercede for others. I'm sure you have experienced that in your own life. You've seen a family member, a friend that you've talked with, you've listened to, you've pleaded with, you've waited, and nothing has happened yet. I believe we're seeing this in our land today. We are facing issues and struggles that man likes to think he can solve on his own. Some would like to think that the issues in our land today can be solved politically, economically, socially, culturally. But what is happening in our land today is deeper than any of those. What is happening in our land today we must not miss as God's people. What is happening in our land today is a spiritual crisis. And unless we, as God's people, get to the place where we are desperate, passionate, and persistent in interceding on behalf of those who lead, on behalf of those who are in our nation, on behalf of our neighbors, we will not see change happen because the root is spiritual. It's not political. It's not economical. It's not social. It's not cultural. It's spiritual. Now, we fall into a couple of extremes, I think, as, as believers. Sometimes we, instead of praying, we think, oh, I got this. I got this, God. I've got the perfectly worded social media post, and I know this is going to make a difference. This will solve things. Sometimes we think, oh, I got this. I got this, God. I know exactly what to say in perfect rebuttal to that person. Man, I, I've been thinking about it all night long. I know exactly what I'm going to say. And we say it, and they just flat out ignore us, right? We like to think sometimes we can do this. Or the other extreme is thinking, I can't do it. I can't do anything. 
I have no power. I have no influence. I have no ability to speak into the situation. I have no idea what's going to be done. It's all hopeless. Those are the two extremes. And I would say to us today, that ends today. That's over. Those are done. We're going to learn a new way to approach the struggles that are happening in family members' lives and our nation today. It all changes today because the power to see a rattle begins with a battle. If you want to see change happen out there, it's going to begin with a battle in prayer. It's a new level of prayer that you and I are probably not familiar with, comfortable with, have done a lot of, but this is where it begins. Our message today is called Battle in Prayer and Rattle the World. We're going to look at a a list of scriptures today. I'm not camping out in one. So get your notes ready or get your camera ready. You can take pictures of the screen. We're about to go on a journey today about what it means to intercede in prayer, what it means to do battle in the heavenlies, what it means to truly see change happen in our families, in our world, in our community. And when we as the church get fixed on doing this, I believe then we'll see change. Ephesians 6 is where we begin today in verse 12. The Apostle Paul puts it all into perspective and he says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In a day when Paul was wrestling with governmental authorities, he was wrestling with people who were denying the message of the gospel, he even said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I know you've got that person who's speaking right up in your face. I know you've got that conflict that looks like it's all about that person. I know that person seems like the epitome of the issue, but Paul says, let me assure you of this. The battle that we are about has nothing to do with the people that stand in front of you. That person that you struggle with, that person that is the seemingly front of the battle to you is not. You got to get this square one. You got to get this down because you'll get fixed on all of a sudden a personality. You'll get fixed on someone's activity. You'll get fixed on what someone else said to you and you'll think this is what the battle's all about and you'll be missing it the entire time. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Your perfectly timed post, meme, or conversation is not what's going to win the battle. All your complaining behind the scenes about it is not going to win the battle. Paul goes on, he says, but here's where our wrestling, our battle is. It's against principalities. It's against powers. It's against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul says, there's a battle, all right, but it's not between you and that person. It's not between you and that group. It's not your group and their group. The battle we have to learn as believers is a battle that happens in a realm different than this one. It's a realm of the heavenlies. It's a realm in which principalities and powers exist. Every evil act, attitude, word, and behavior has its root in a realm that is in the heavenlies. It's in a spiritual realm. 
If you've got somebody you're dealing with who just seems to be eat up with anger and resentment or greed or lust or hate or fear, depression, that battle is not just in their emotions. That battle is not just in their mind. That battle is first and foremost spiritual. And until we learn how to do battle in the realm that is spiritual, we'll not find results in the realm that is emotional, mental, or physical. He says here, these are principalities. And Paul's defining some evil forces here. And he is careful to put them into categories. Principalities. This is a word that means someone who has authority in a geographic location, a principality over a principal area. He says there are those evil forces that exist in geographic locations who have influence into that area, into that region. They are assigned to locations, and there they have authority because of the people who live in that area who've given them that authority. Mm. Now, I want to encourage you to stay with me today. We're going some places that we don't normally go on a Sunday morning, okay? We're going to, we're going to dive into some stuff that we don't normally do here on Sunday morning. And it's going to take your concentration and faith to move, for us to move together to this place. Based on this verse and some others we're going to look at today, in every nation, there are evil forces that have a realm of influence. Every nation. So over the United States, based on what we understand from Scripture, there are evil spirits who have been yielded to over time, have been given authority over time, and they now have power and influence in our nation. They are affecting the hearts and minds of people. They have brought philosophies to play. They have brought actions to pass. And they are unique to us as a nation, just as the same might be true for any nation around this world. Now, from what we understand from Scripture, they are not even on a national, they're not just on a national level, they come down even to smaller principality areas. So I, I tend to believe that even this community has evil forces that have authority because the people living in this area have given them authority. And they exercise their power into the lives of people and attempt to influence them. It would be an interesting conversation to wonder what kind of power that is, what those forces are, what they are attempting to influence here. It doesn't take long to figure out what some of those might be. I think it's pretty safe to assume that some of the forces that work in our area here, greed, lust, Anxiety, bitterness, hatred, division. Those are just some. Those forces are at work today, right now. 
They are attempting to stop what God is doing. They are attempting to lead believers astray. They are attempting to cause believers to be bound up. And they're doing it through principalities and the powers that exist. They're doing it with the rulers of the darkness of this age. Evil forces that have the ability to influence people in authority in our nation, people in authority in homes, people in authority even in churches, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, in the realm of the spirit. That spirit is very active and present right now. Just because you can't see it with your physical eyes does not mean it is not present. Remember, we walk by faith, not by sight. We believe truth. We don't believe our feelings. We believe what the Bible says and teaches, and the Bible teaches that this realm is very real. It might take me a little bit if you just showed up here from the 1800s to convince you that in this room right now are radio waves, Bluetooth signal, Wi-Fi, TV signals, radio signals, microwaves, it would take a little while to convince you that those things existed because you don't even know what those are if you're from 1800s. In the same way, many believers are blind to the fact that these are active today. They are attempting to influence, shape, destroy the work of God, and keep the gospel from moving out from an area. Amen? Amen. It's true. It's real stuff. It's not stuff you and I talk about a lot, think about a lot, but it's high time that we do because what we're going to discover today is there's no activity that happens in the physical realm that doesn't start in the spiritual realm. If you want to affect change in the physical, you got to know how to enter into the spiritual realm, the heavenlies, by prayer, passionate prayer, to see that change happen. Amen? All right, let's continue on our journey here because... There are people today, well, let me, let me move on. 2 Corinthians is a related passage. Paul again talks and he says this, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, they're not things that we can hold in our hands, they're not temporary, they're not based on our urges and, and desires, they're based on something that comes from God and boy, they are mighty in God, he says. They are powerful if you know how to use the weapons that have been assigned to us. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God, look what he says for for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. He says, this is what our weapons are for. This is what they are mighty to do. They can reach into someone else's life They can pull down a stronghold, pull down something that has been built up in their heart and actually set them free. So so get this. Let's say there's someone today who is struggling in their life with outbursts of anger, with resentment, with jealousy, with tension in their relationships, even some physical issues that show up as headaches and digestive issues. Now, there could be a variety of things that could cause those. 
They could be physical. They could be emotional. But let me remind us all of a truth today. Sometimes the effects that we see in our lives are rooted in the spiritual and not just the physical. And if you want to make a difference, then you've got to go in and pull down the strongholds that have been built up. So let's go back to our person. Outbursts of anger, resentment, jealous, they have tension, they have all of these issues going on in their life. It's possible that a stronghold has been built up in their heart that needs to be pulled down. What does that look like? Well, it could look like this. It could be that somewhere in this person's life, they were hurt deeply. And later they were hurt again in the perhaps the same area. And instead of being encouraged to forgive those who hurt and love now because of what Christ has done, they choose to hold on to the hurt. They replay the hurt. They lean into the resentment. They lean into the anger. They lean into the bitterness. And when that happens, a stronghold is built. A fortress is set up in their heart. And that stronghold takes control. And now, everything that they do, every conversation, everything that they see, everything that they hear, they hear through the strongholds hold. They hear through the hurt, and this stronghold is what keeps them locked up. And they wonder, how come I can't get free? How come I can't get done with this? How come I'm still having this struggle for decades now? Because there's a stronghold that's been built up in the realm of the spirit that must be torn down. This is something that's done by faith, and this is something that's done by people who know how to intercede in prayer. That's why just seeing a counselor to help unpack your emotions or just seeing a counselor to deal with your thoughts without dealing with the spiritual is ineffective. Faith is the victory. And it requires people of faith with wisdom who know how to apply scripture and know how to do battle in prayer, to intercede that there actually comes victory. I told you we were going some places today that were going to be new and different. Now, I want to show you a passage today that illustrates some of this. I'm going to show you some verses from it. I'm going to be talking about Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 10 in the Old Testament. Daniel was a man who sought God on behalf of his people. He cried out for them. And you read in chapter 9, Daniel is confessing the sins of his people, how they've walked away from his ways, how they are experiencing all of the consequences in their life because of their own disobedience. In fact, Daniel says in that passage, he says, Lord, to us, we just have faces filled with shame. To us belongs shame face. We're just embarrassed from what we've done. We've walked so far away, and Daniel's just crying out to God for mercy. God speaks to Daniel, as he so often did. You get to chapter 10, however, and Daniel's crying out again in prayer. 
This time, it's a little different. It's three years later. The struggle hasn't really been resolved, and the things that God is showing him is disturbing. And this is what it says in Daniel 10, verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Daniel is praying for his people. For three weeks, he is mourning. He is burdened. He is overwhelmed because of their sin. And he's crying out to God. He goes on in verse 3 and it says, I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. He committed himself to pray for his people. He's fasting. He's praying. He's overwhelmed. He's mourning. He's going before the throne, doing battle. He's interceding for the people, and it's affecting him. He is passionate about this. This was no simple prayer. This was no easy moment. This is truly crying out. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to stop. God, please deliver us. God, please free us. He doesn't stop. Three weeks goes by. 21 days goes by. That's a long time to interrupt your routine. That's a long time to passionately pray. That's a long time to be in mourning. But Daniel... He's passionate for his people, and he's determined to see God move. 21 days go by. If you read the middle of Daniel there, chapter 10, verses 4 through 11, God shows up. He sends an an angelic being, and Daniel is overwhelmed at what he sees. Daniel says he's down by the river in this This angel shows up, and he describes it in those verses. It's overwhelming. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. And Daniel is overwhelmed at the holiness of this moment. And it says he's down on his hands and his knees, and he's just trembling. He's having a rattled moment. He's getting rattled because the presence of God is there in that spot. It says in verse 12 that then this angel spoke, and he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Daniel had no way of knowing what was going on behind the scenes. But what was happening in the realm of the spirit was there was an angel who had been sent. And he says, I'm here, Daniel. I've been sent. The first day you started praying, God heard you. Your words were heard, Daniel. And now heaven has moved because you prayed. Hey, that ought to give us some hope that when you pray, Don't think God doesn't hear. If you're his child, he hears you. If you're crying out in repentance for your sin to become his child, he hears you. If you're not doing that, I can't promise he hears you. Because what he hears is a heart of repentance and a heart of faith. 
And here, this angel shows up in brilliance for Daniel. Now, I love what happens next. Because it says in verse 13, the angel says this. I would have been here sooner, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. There was an evil spirit, Daniel, of Persia. An evil spirit related to an area, a principality. And that evil spirit, the angel said, withstood me. We were doing warfare. We were having battle in the heavenlies. We were going at it. And it lasted for 21 days. Do you remember what lasted 21 days? Daniel praying. When you pray, you make things happen in the heavenly realm. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean he's not working. Oh, even if you don't see it, he's working. Amen? Daniel didn't know it, but it was happening. And all of a sudden, this angel shows up and says, Daniel, I would have been here three weeks ago. But there was this battle. There was a war going on. Verse 13, the second part says, And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I've been left alone with the kings of Persia. This angel says, you know, I had to call in for some higher help. In the angel realm, they sent Michael, and he came, and man, he got it done. We got it done. And Daniel, I'm here today. Look, when you pray, and you're willing to pray with passion, you're willing to pray with persistence for that person in your life, for your family, for your church, for your community, for your nation, God hears you. And when you pray, you set the angels to flight. When you pray, you make things happen in the heavenly realm. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean he's not working. He is actively at work, and our prayers play a part in that. That's why today our prayer is essential. God is rattling some things and he's taken us back to some just essentials that we left long ago. You want to see change happen in a family member's life or in this nation? It'll only happen when they turn to God. And there's nothing, no power anywhere that can make that happen except God himself. And what unleashes the power of God is when you and I pray. It just got real personal all of a sudden. Because it's been reminding me these past several weeks as I've looked at this whole setup here is that what I'm watching going on is directly connected to the faith that I have in prayer. And I cannot let up give up or walk away from it, even when I don't see the results. It goes on to verse 14, and it says, the angel says, now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. In other words, the angel says, we got to sit down and talk. i got some stuff to tell you. I'm here because you prayed. So I want us to think as we make some application today, how do we do battle in prayer? How do you battle in prayer? Because every one of us have people in our life. 
that we, we want to see set free. We have people in our life that are hurting. We have people in our life that we want to go to battle with. We want to get drawn into the fight here and forget that the fight is here first. So how do you do this? What are some practical steps? Here we go. Number one, the first thing you do is you enter God's presence with gratitude. When you start to pray, here's the process. You start off by thanking God for what he's done for you. You start off grateful for how he rescued you. You start off grateful for grace that he's shown to you. You start off grateful for mercy that he's shown to you because this sets you in the right spot to receive what he has next. And you can't receive from God if you don't enter into his presence with a receiving heart. You go in grateful. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Enter on in. Start here. Start grateful. Because what he's going to give you means you're going to have to receive it. You've got to put yourself in the right spot. Number two, stand in who God has redeemed you to be. In other words, it's like the book of Hebrews says, we are called to come boldly to his throne. Now, this is where it gets awkward for believers because we know that we are not worthy. Amen? We haven't done anything to deserve being in that spot. In fact, everything we've done in our life up to this point tells us, I got no business being in the throne room of God. You're right. Neither do I. But because I have one who's gone before me, and who intercedes for me, he says to come boldly. So even though I want to come in like this, I'm going to stand up like this and walk right up into his presence. That's what you do. You've got to walk up in there and know, I am not what I used to be. I am not just a sinner saved by grace. I am now a child of the most high God, and I'm coming in. Here I come, God. I have been redeemed. My life is not the trash that it used to be. I have been made new. I've been made a new creation in Christ. Here I come, God. I'm coming in as a son. I'm coming in as a daughter. I'm coming in as an ambassador. I'm coming in as a redeemed one. I'm coming in as a worshiper. I'm coming in as salt of the earth. I'm coming in as light of the world. I'm coming in as one that you have made me, not what I am, but what you've called me. You've got to get on up in the, in the throne room with that kind of boldness. You want to hear him? You want to see what he's got on his face? You've got to get your face up looking at his face. You've got to know the relationship you've got. You've got to be strong in that. You've got to be bold in that. Lift up your head, weary sinners. Your, your Savior is there in front of you. Lift up your heads. Look. It's not by your works of righteousness which you've done anyway, but by his mercy that you're here to begin with. So step on up in that. Stand up in it. Be bold in it. Be confident. Number three, put yourself in the place of the one you're praying for. Now, remember, we're, we're interceding. We're here for the purpose of praying for someone else who is bound up, caught up, addicted, enslaved, they're discouraged, they're held in shame, they're racked with selfishness, 
depression, whatever it might be, if you want to pray for them, you're going to have to put yourself in the place of them. And this can be challenging. Because in that moment, you've got to get your eyes off of yourself and you've got to put yourself in their shoes for just a moment. And you've got to think to yourself, I wonder what happened to get them to this place today. What happened to make them so angry, so bitter? What hurt happened to them? What failure did they experience? What loss did they go through? What did someone say to them, do to them? What happened in church? What happened in their faith? What happened in their life that they've not told anybody about that got them to where they are today? Because the truth is, everybody does what they think is right. It's true. Heather and I have this conversation a lot these days. We talk about things we see on the news or on the internet and Eventually, the question will be, what are they doing? And the conclusion is, they are doing what they think is right. No one says, eh, I'm going to do something completely irrational and illogical and ridiculous, and it will cause me more pain in the future. No one does that. Everybody makes a decision that they think is the right thing. And so I've got to put myself in a very unusual position to try to think like someone else, hurt like someone else, feel what someone else is going through. This is critical if you want to intercede for someone. Jesus came to earth not because he needed to feel what we were going through. He's God. He knew it. He wanted us to know I know what you're going through. I came here. I experienced the hurt. I experienced the limitations. I know exactly what you're going through. So you intentionally attempt to put yourself in this spot. Hey, and you won't do this in two minutes, three minutes, or ten minutes. This will take time. But you put yourself in that spot. And then the next step is this. See the strongholds and principalities that trap them. Hmm. Let's assume somebody was hurt deeply. And what they're experiencing today is lots of anger. You got to put yourself in their spot of hurt and then think, all right, now... What strongholds are holding them? What principalities are whispering in their ears and telling them, it would feel better if you'd get the revenge yourself? God has left you. He is not going to take care of you. You need to get revenge. You need to not trust him. Man, those are the voices that lead people to bondage, to strongholds. And you put yourself in that place and you start seeing, okay, now I see what's happening. They were hurt deeply. 
They were abandoned. They were abused. They were told this and told that. And now they have turned to hatred, pornography, alcohol, you name it. They've turned to it because of what's happened to them. And now I see it. You see, now you're in a spot to do some real damage to principalities and powers. Not just because of what you know, but because of who you know, which brings us to the next step, number five. Now, with authority, ask God to pull down those strongholds. God, would you set them free from that spirit of resentment? Would you set them free from that spirit of selfishness? Would you set them free from that stronghold that has them all wrapped up in self-pleasure? Would you set them free from that? And you start doing some battle in the heavenly realms right there, you'll start causing some activity to happen that you might not even see or know about, but God moves in response to his people. Amen? We saw it in Daniel. And this is where you start going to battle. You know, as a church, we have ministries, we have a building, we have a sign, we have social media presence, we have a website, we've got groups, we've got a lot of ministries in place. None of them have any power apart from the Spirit of God working through them. And if we are not praying for God to work through those, we can organize, plan, get money, do whatever we want, and it will be absolutely fruitless. And the same is true in our own personal lives, by the way. But the minute you recognize where power comes from and what it is that holds people, and you want to see difference happen in an area, you want to see something different happen in our community right here, you start to this kind of praying. You start doing more than just showing up here. You start showing up on your knees. You start showing up in aggressive, persistent, and passionate prayer. And then some things will start happening that there'll be no explanation of because it'll be God who moves in the midst of it. Amen? See, this is where you get into this battle posture and you start pulling down strongholds. You start saying, fear, you had no place in my daughter's life. She belongs to you, spirit of fear, be gone from her. You had no right to exert your influence into her life. She knows what faith is. Let her trust in you, God. You start doing that kind of battle, you'll see some things happen. Amen? I'm telling you, this is a little different than maybe what you've seen before, but this is what we must do. Now, I use these words here with authority for two reasons. If you are parents, you have authority in your child's life. Now, I recognize it's different if they are four today or if they're 40 today. You can't just call up your 40-year-old and command them around anymore. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that if, you know, unless you are. So you have a level of influence, though. So if you're a parent today, because of the authority you have in your family's life, Use that when you pray. God, that's my son. That's my son who's hurting. That's my son who's being deceived right now. 
God, would you set him free? God, would you pull down those strongholds that are attempting to take root in his life? Would you battle against those principalities that are trying to deceive him and lead him astray and call them out and call down faith and do the battle? When you start doing that kind of battle, you won't have to have as many phone conversation battles anymore with your son. Amen? When we, as the people of God, start doing that kind of battle, it won't be near as necessary and tempting to be posting stuff on social media and thinking, boom, show them. There's a place. There's a time. There's a need. But if it is not first and foremost driven by prayer, there's no point. Amen? So as a parent, exercise your authority. And then I'd say, as a believer exercise your authority. Stand up in who you are in Christ and say, God, you've given me promises. You've given me your word. You've given me your spirit. And you've told me that I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. And in that authority, I come to pray for my friend, my neighbor, my community, and my nation. I'm convinced that when we as a people, stand in that kind of unity and pray, God shows up and God changes some things. Number six, be strong, bold, and persistent in your praying. Don't give up. Don't let up. It's called wrestling. It's called battle. It's not called playing jacks with somebody. It's not called playing checkers. It's wrestling. It takes persistence. It takes energy. My dad was a big man, 6'3". He was a big guy. And he would get down the floor sometimes and my cousins would come over. Two cousins, teenagers, me, preteen. He'd take all three of us on and whoop us. I think it's because he watched more Saturday Night Wrestling than we did, but he knew how to do it. He took us all and we would just keep going at him. He'd roll over and knock us back. We just kept going back, kept going back. And you couldn't defeat him. He was tough. There are some things today in our culture, in our land, in our community that are not going to come out except by persistent, passionate, I'm in this for the wrestling match, I'm in it till the end, prayer. And that is when things begin to change. So be strong, be bold, be persistent. God's looking for those that will have that kind of faith. He's looking for those who will lean into it and stay at it and not give up. He'd love to show himself strong on behalf of those people who will do that and not get intimidated after one prayer and walk away or not get caught off guard and say, well, I prayed one time and nothing happened, so I'm just not going to anymore. No, God's looking for those who will keep on praying, not give up, passionate, persistent. So be bold in your prayers. And then the last one, pray in the name and the power of Jesus Christ. You don't have any power on your own, but we have all power through him. I love what it says in the book of Ephesians when it talks about what Christ has accomplished. It says he was seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, far above, listen to this, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one that is to come. Jesus has all authority over them. So when you pray in his authority, ooh, he works. Nothing to do with my authority. It's all his authority. And it says in this Ephesians passage, and he put all things under his feet 
and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, us. He says, now, in my name, go out. In my name, speak. In my name, pray. In my name, go and make disciples. In my name, baptize. This is where your power comes from. They, whoever they are, all have to bow their knee to our Lord Jesus. Amen? So, I invite you to pray with me this morning. I'm going to pray for our community specifically. There's a lot of things that we're responsible for, but as a church, we're responsible for this community. Amen? And for change to happen there, it has to start here. So would you join me as we pray and do battle? Heavenly Father, this morning we are grateful for the grace that has come to us through your son Jesus. That while we were sinners, while we were far away, while we were enemies, you sent your son to become our sacrifice to take away our guilt permanently, to remove it from us and give us a new name, give us a new identity and give us new standing. For that, we're grateful. And we enter into your throne room now to see you in all your glory, to see your beauty, your power. And we admit we are undeserving but we are grateful for what you've given. I thank you that you call us redeemed. You call us ambassadors now. You call us to a ministry of reconciliation. You call us to hold forth the word of life. You fill us with your spirit. You call us to pray. You call us to do battle against principalities and powers, and that's what we're here to do today. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has made us as the church, the resurrected, the redeemed, the renewed, the called out ones, the called together ones, we stand together in prayer for our community. God, there are people in this area who are confused. They're hurting. Their families are in turmoil. They're filled with anxiety. They don't know about the future. They're filled with tension. They're looking for every other way possible to fill the need within. They're looking for ways to deal with the tension and the conflict and the uncertainty. And God, they're turning to everything but you. And we know today that there are principalities in this region who are causing that influence. So, Father, this morning, in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask you to pull down all the strongholds and barriers that keep people away from the gospel. May they be torn down this morning where there are spirits of anger and hurt. May they be cast out of this region where there are spirits of fear and anxiety and doubt that keep people from turning to you, God. May they be pulled down and cast out 
We have authority now here as the church. You've placed us here in this city. You've placed us here in this region. So we stand up in all of that and we stand in the authority of that and we proclaim your gospel and we call down strongholds that have attempted to hold people captive for we've come with a message to set the captives free. Father, I pray you'd pull those down, that there'd be results, there'd be, there'd be evidence of that even just this week in repentance in people calling, in people wanting to know answers, in people crying out, in calls for prayer, in in calls for getting together to resolve bitternesses and broken relationships. May that all happen this week in the power of your name, God. And I thank you that you've promised that the victory is in you, not in us. I thank you that you've you've made us more than conquerors not because of what we've done, but because of what your son has done. And I pray we'd walk in all of that this week. We'd celebrate that. God, I thank you for a church who's willing to be rattled in this day, to put some things back into first place and cause us to do the real battle that our community and the world around us would be forever rattled by your spirit. We pray all this this morning in the confident, strong, mighty, holy, majestic name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, let's let that kind of prayer persist this week. Not just this morning, but for the rest of this week. Two weeks ago, we started something brand new on social media in an attempt to redeem our corner of social media. We started posting some things from Vertical Church. We're going to do that more this week. I would encourage you, when you see these come up in your uh, Facebook feed this this week, hit share, hit like. What you will do when you do that, you will send one of these messages when they come up, it will send to all those who follow you. And in the description is a link to our website that shares the gospel. People can see the gospel of Jesus Christ laid out there and then they can contact us and let us know they've prayed that prayer and if they'd like to be baptized, which you notice our baptism trough is right here. So uh, we as a staff have been praying that God would set some people free. And we are going to start baptizing next week. For safety reasons, we're going to do one baptism per week. So I'm excited to say we already have four weeks of baptisms lined up ahead. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So in our announcements here in just a moment, you'll hear how you can let us know if you are interested. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and want to make that statement publicly, let us know. If maybe for the first time you'd like to pray that prayer say, God, I need to be born again. Come see me. Let's talk. This is the day to be rattled. Amen? And change to happen.